Hey, welcome back. Glad you're here as we continue to look together at God's Word, particularly what God's Word has to say to us about facing our fears. And today I want to talk about facing my fear of loneliness. You know, we all experience loneliness, uh, rich, poor, uh, regardless of your background, we can all deal with loneliness. Oscar-winning actress Anne Hathaway put it this way, loneliness is my least favorite thing about life. The thing that I'm most worried about is just being alone without anybody to care for or someone who will care for me. Josh Whedon, the director of the Avengers movie, said loneliness is about the scariest thing out there. Albert Einstein remarked one time, it is so strange to be known so universally and yet be so lonely. A couple of years ago, uh, David Brooks, a columnist for the New York Times, went around the country and he was interviewing students at some of the most prestigious campuses in America. He went to, to Harvard and Yale, the University of Chicago, uh, Davidson, and, and he realized that this was a tiny slice of the, the rising generation, but he said still their, their comments were striking. And they covered a wide variety of topics, but this is the way he concluded the article. I came away from these conversations thinking that the one big challenge for this generation is determining how to take things that are happening on a local level and translate them to a national level, level where the problems are. I was also struck by the pervasive but subtle hunger for a change in the emotional tenor of life. We're more connected but we're more apart, one student lamented. Again and again, students expressed a hunger for social and emotional bonding, for a shift from guilt and accusation toward empathy. How do you create relationships, one student asked, and that may be belonging that undergirds all others. But we didn't have to read the New York Times in the 21st century to know that. We could go back to the beginning of time. We can go back to the very uh, first book of the Bible, the, the narrative of, of God's original design in creation. And there, as he's, he's creating humankind, he says quite clearly, it is not good for the man to be alone. And this was not after the fall. This was before the fall, before the entrance of sin into the human experience that God created us for relationships. There is a significance to interpersonal relationships, and, and you know them. I, God created us this way. It is part of our divine design to not only be related vertically to him, but horizontally with one another. And as part of that design, relationships helps to multiply joys. Our joys are multiplied when we can share them with others. And as someone said, our sorrows get divided when we are truly connected to other people. But there's something that sometimes we can miss, and that is uh, that relationships provide us with the best environment 
for growth, uh, to become who God has called us to be, to do the things that God has called us to do. That happens best, not in isolation, but in an environment where we are connected to one another. But as we begin to talk about that, let me make a very important distinction. And that is that there is a difference between being lonely and being alone. You can be lonely in a crowd. You can be married and be lonely. We need connectedness, but we also find that we need times of solitude. Uh, that God meets us sometimes in solitude, and solitude is, is one of the ways that, that God can grow us. But solitude is different from a loneliness. Loneliness can be described as a negative state. It's marked by a sense of isolation, a feeling that something is missing inside, that, that there's some connection, there's some part of us that is not properly aligned or properly connected. And so loneliness, whether you are alone or whether you are surrounded by people, is this negative state. It is marked by this sense of isolation. So what do I do with my loneliness? What do I do when I, I sense a fear of loneliness creeping up in my life? Well, let's first talk about some things not to do. There are some things that do not work in combating loneliness. And one is to ignore your feelings. Uh, sometimes we just try to bury that. We try to bury it under activity or under work or, or just being around a crowd or whatever it might be. But feelings are a gift from God to us. Feelings help us to, to be aware that something's, something's going on inside us, that it, it should drive us not to ignore them, but to investigate them, to understand them. What is, what is God saying to me uh, through this avenue of feelings? What is it saying about what I'm experiencing, what I'm thinking, how I'm interpreting, all of those things? Ignoring my feelings of loneliness never leads uh, to a healthy place. But sometimes people who deal with loneliness uh, can fall into a state that's been called a passive rescue wish. A passive rescue wish that we kind of sit back and we say, someday Prince Charming will come along. Or someday this, this one relationship will happen or this, this friendship will kind of swoop out of thin air and it will, will rescue me from this state of loneliness. But a passive rescue wish never helps us with genuine loneliness. But on the other end of the spectrum, we have to be careful of dropping our standards. And I, I can't tell you the number of times I've seen through the years that, that out, of a, out of a sense of loneliness, someone has begun to compromise. Now, they've compromised their values. They compromised their convictions. They've even compromised their morality because they longed to be connected. And perhaps they started to hang out with people or they got involved in a relationship with somebody that, that if they were stepping back and thinking about it, they would have never entered into that relationship. But loneliness drove them in such a way that negatively they said, it is better to drop my standards, to compromise my values, than it is to keep experiencing these feelings of loneliness. The problem is, while it may be a short-term salve, it leads to longer-term problems and longer-term 
complications. Well, if those things don't work, then what does work? How can I, in alignment with God's design, face my fear of loneliness? Well, I want to give you three big thoughts and and kind of unpack that. The first one is to remember God's promised presence. Remember God's promised presence. And I know that sounds like such a preacher answer, okay? Uh, But stick with me here for just a minute, if you would. Again, it's part of God's design, vertical and horizontal relationships. I may feel lonely, but the fact is I need to remember I am never, never, never alone. The psalmist said, David, writing from a a posture of, of challenge, says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? And the answer is nowhere. There's nowhere I can go. Hebrews 13, 5, that wonderful reminder, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When we, we think about this, and, and, and I know, again, it's kind of like, really, is that, is that the answer? That's part of the answer. When Jesus encountered the, the woman at the well in John's Gospel, chapter 4, he challenged her. He said, all that you're looking for in these multiple male relationships that you have had, that's not where you're going to find your ultimate satisfaction. That's not where your ultimate hope and meaning is going to come from. That it has to be built, our human relationships have to be built on a relationship with God. Only made possible through Jesus Christ. It was there at that well that he began to offer her a living water that she was never going to find in jumping from relationship to relationship to relationship. Augustine, his most uh, famous line said, Thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in thee. And so the beginning place is to remember God's promised presence. And when I remember his presence and I tune into his presence, I'll begin to experience things. I'll begin to experience his strength. Isaiah 41 says, fear not, for I am with you. Remember his promised presence. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I tune into God's presence. I begin to experience his strength to empower me to face all of my fears. But not only his strength, but also his peace. Psalm 4, 8 says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. That we have his peace that that supersedes our feelings and fears of loneliness, but he also gives us his joy. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. When I tune into God's presence, when I remember that even when I feel lonely, I am not alone. I can experience his strength, his hope, his power, his peace, his joy. And as I tune into God's presence, there's a second thing that helps me to face my loneliness, and that is to pursue, to pursue God's purpose and plan 
for my life. That God created us for relationship, but he also created us to engage in work and activity, to do things that are meaningful and purposeful. In Ephesians 2, right after that wonderful passage that reminds us that we are saved by grace through faith, not as a result of works, it's that none of us can boast. It's all a gift from God. And then right on the heels of that statement, it's all based on grace. He says, but I also have given you something to do. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That that there is something that God has us to do. And as we engage in that work, it oftentimes connects us not only to God and God's purposes, but it connects us to people. And so I would encourage you in those times of loneliness, maybe when you're fearing loneliness or feeling loneliness, just to begin to ask uh, some questions along uh, the way. Just get alone with God and ask, ask him, what is he calling you to do in this season of your life? Different seasons have different assignments. You know, sometimes our world gets rocked, doesn't it? We enter into a a season not by choice, but by consequence. Sometimes loneliness is connected with a change in season of life, a death, a divorce, a a relocation, uh, uh, aging, retirement, uh, just whatever it may be, health challenges. And these different seasons of life don't mean that God still doesn't have a purpose for me. It just means that purpose may look different now. And if I don't pursue God's purpose and plan for my life in this season of my life, I set myself up for loneliness. So I'm just going to encourage you to keep asking questions. What has he uniquely crafted you to do and to be so that you can make a difference? It may be different than what you did five years ago or 10 years ago or whatever it might be. It may not be the same five or 10 years from now, uh, but in this season of my life, what is it? How has God shaped me with my spiritual gifts, my heart passions, my aptitudes, my abilities, my personality profile, my life experiences? How has he uniquely crafted and shaped me to be and to do so that I can make a difference, so that I remember God's presence? I pursue God's purpose and plan for my life. But the third thing I want to mention, and this is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time, is to get intentional about building community. To get intentional about building the community because it does not happen by accident. That there must be some intentionality in it. It's part of God's design. In Romans 12, Paul uses one of his favorite images, that of a human body, to describe our relationship and our connectedness to one another. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another that we belong to one another. We were created for community with one another. But I have to be intentional about pursuing it, of valuing it, of building it. And a lot of times people say, well, I I want community. I want connectedness. 
uh, but they, they fill their schedule and their life with so many other things. They don't, they don't do the things that are needed to be intentional about building community. Pro- Proverbs uh, put it this way, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. If you want to have relationships, be worth relating to. If you want to have friends, be a friend. Well, what does that look like? How do I I begin to, uh, to do that? Well, it takes a great deal of intentionality. And there was an Australian palliative care nurse by the name of Bronnie Ware. Bronnie works with people who have chosen to die in their own homes. And through her experience, she asked her patients whether they had regrets as they approached their death. And here was one of the huge themes. She said, letting friendships lapse was one of the top five regrets people mentioned at the end of their lives. She writes that many of her patients had become so caught up in their own lives that they let golden relationships slip by over the years. There were many deep regrets about not giving friendships the time and effort they deserved. Everyone misses their friends when they're dying. People regret the loss of friendship, and yet our culture offers so little instruction about how to show ourselves friendly, how to build and maintain authentic community. It really is a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual growth habit to build intentional community. And so let's talk about that. Building blocks for genuine community or genuine connection. And let's start with the foundation. And the foundation is character, is character, of being a person of character, but also looking for people of character. Dallas Willard describes character this way. Character is the internal overall structure of the self that is revealed by our long-run patterns of behavior. Character is about who we are on the inside, the overall structure of our self. But the way it gets revealed is by our long run, and that's, that's significant, long run patterns of behavior because anybody can fake it for a while. Anybody can put on certain characteristics for a short term, particularly if they are after something. But as you interact with people, as you watch people, as you even see your own life unfold, look at those long-term, those long-run patterns of behavior because that's where character begins to be revealed. But that's what Jesus said, isn't it? Jesus said, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. That's why the proverb says, keep your heart with all vigilance. Your character is so vital, for from it flow the springs of life. Good tree produces good fruit. Bad tree, over time, bad fruit. Oh, you can tape some good fruit on a bad tree and and give it a quick appearance of health. But over the long term, A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree 
bear good fruit. The foundation for being a friend, the foundation for opening our lives up in friendship is to be and to look for people of character. In their book, Safe People, John Townsend and Henry Cloud define a person of safe character as someone who has three characteristics. And by the way, just as an aside, if you're listening to this and you say, you know, the reality is I kind of I keep ending up with relationships with the wrong sort of people. I, I keep finding myself drawn to, or I seem to attract kind of sometimes some toxic people. It might be well worth your time to invest in, in reading a book like Safe People to kind of help you understand some of the qualities and characteristics to develop in your own life, but to look for in the lives of those that you're relating to. But they, they define a person of safe character as someone who does three things. The first is, draws me closer to God. Does this relationship help me to draw closer to God? I need those relationships in my life. Does this person help draw me closer to others? Uh, that sometimes a relationship can, can be so all-consuming that it actually uh, pulls us away from others. Does this help me to become not only uh, in a good relationship with this person, but even to be able to relate to others in a more positive, powerful, God-honoring way? But thirdly, those people I'm looking for help me to become the person God created me to be. Closer to God closer to others, and more and more becoming the person that God created me to be. That's the kind of friend I want to be. That's the kind of friends I want to have. The foundation is character. And with the character in place, then we can build on that foundation. And I'm just going to give you uh, just going to six quick uh, kind of qualities or actions, and we'll just look at these very, very briefly. We could probably do a, a series of messages on this whole thing, uh, but I'm just going to kind of put them out there to say, this is what I need to be looking for. This is who I need to become. This is who I need to become and be in my relationships to others. So I build on the foundation of character, and then I want to be committed. To be committed. Proverbs 18 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I'm not necessarily uh, looking to, uh, to, to get the most Facebook friends, right? Uh, to have the highest number of content out there. Uh, but I, I want, who are those people? That there's a commitment. And a commitment means you make time for that relationship. It becomes a priority. Yes, in good times, but even in those difficult times. I build on the foundation of character by being committed, but also being considerate. Being considerate. First uh, Corinthians 13, it's not just a scripture for our wedding ceremony, uh, but it's really a scripture for how we relate to one another. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Are those characteristics of my life? 
Are those characteristics, and listen, we all do it imperfectly, I get it, but are those characteristics that I'm looking for in the people that are closest to me? Those things I'm sending out, are those the things I'm looking for in receiving? No matter how popular a person may be, if some of these characteristics are not there, uh, then that relationship is not going to be healthy and helpful for the long term. Be considerate, but also be confidential. Be confidential. Proverbs 11 says, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. When it comes to relationships, you know that old rule of thumb, if somebody will gossip to you about somebody else, they will gossip about you to somebody else. Are you a person that is trustworthy? Are you somebody that knows how to maintain a confidence, that knows how to evaluate, does this need to be said? Does this need to be said to this person at this time? Does it need to be said in this spirit? We need people in our lives who can be confidential, who can be trustworthy. But not only uh, to be confidential, but uh, another part of that relational health is to be candid to be candid, to just, just speak the truth in love. Proverbs 27 says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. For, for a relationship to really be transformational, yes, there has to be a confidentiality and consideration and commitment and all those things, but there has to be a level of candor. There has to be a, a loving candor that we can speak into one another's lives. Proverbs goes on to say, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Sometimes we need people in our lives who love us enough just to say, hey, I don't know if you notice this or not, but this is really driving people away. Or this is, this is really kind of just bringing some hurt and pain into your life. Or this is a pattern I'm seeing, and I love you too much not to bring it up. You know, part of being candid, though, is also willing to be vulnerable. That's kind of the flip side of it. There's some people who are quite willing to be candid to you, right? They'll, they'll quickly point out everything that you said or did wrong. Uh, they may need to go back and see the, the quality of being a, a considerate. But part of being candid is also being a, willing to say, I'm going to be candid enough to be vulnerable. And that, that can be hard. That can be hard because most of us, particularly in an American culture, have been schooled with kind of protect your image. Yeah. I keep folks at a healthy distance. And so to be candid means in part, I, I begin to open up my life. Now I do it in layers. I, I, don't, I don't do it with everybody all the time. And there may be different levels of vulnerability depending upon some of those other qualities in a relationship in my life. But I'm just gonna ask you, is there anybody who can be candid with you in your life? Is there anybody that that relationship feels safe enough right now for you to begin to unpack some layers, to open yourself up in appropriate levels of vulnerability? 
relationships will not be powerful and transformational unless we get to a point of some levels of vulnerability and some capacity to be candid with one another. There's some more. Be constructive, and that, that kind of informs even our, our being candid. That is this relationship constructive? Is, is the way that I relate to other people constructive? Proverbs 27 says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. And so I begin to think about the relationships of my life, and, and, and yes, we do fun things and we enjoy, and sometimes it's just laughter and hanging out and all those things, but as I think about the pattern of this relationship, is it constructive? Is it helping me draw closer to God, closer to others, and to become a little more of the person that God designed and created me to be? Am I that kind of person in other people's lives? Am I iron upon iron, one life sharpening another? I want to look for those relationships that are constructive. I want to be the type of person that is constructive, that builds up other people in our relationships and in their lives. One more, and that is to be consistent. To be consistent. Proverbs, and we've just been drawing on the wisdom of Proverbs in this message. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. That we need those people in our life that are not just there for the party, that are not just there for the the good times. But I need and you need those relationships where people are there at all times. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, that in the good times and yes, even in the times of adversity, this is a person I can count on. I need those relationships that are consistent. I need to be that type of person in relationship to other people, to be consistent. Now, here's a couple thoughts I want to leave you with. The first is, at times, feeling lonely can be a catalyst It can be the nudge that I need or you need to move forward in a new direction. Sometimes loneliness can be this signal, this signal that God is speaking to us that something is not aligned, not quite right relationally. Maybe it's in my relationship with him. Maybe it's in the way that I'm relating to other people. Maybe I've just filled my life with so many other things that I've crowded out any space for relationships in my life. Or maybe it's a signal that that I've been looking for a love in all the wrong places, right? I've been not building on a foundation of character. And so loneliness can become one of those catalysts in my life just to say, God, what are you saying to me in this? Even as I, I honestly deal with the fear of loneliness, could that be a catalyst to a positive change in the way that I walk with God, in the way that I order my life, in the way that I relate to other people? Mother Teresa said, When you feel lonely, when you feel unwanted, when you feel sick and forgotten, remember, you are precious to him. And that kind of takes us back to the beginning then. We were designed for relationship. Relationship with God 
and relationship with others. And in those moments when I experience loneliness, let it be a a trigger, a catalyst, a nudge for growth and change and development. But let me also never, ever forget that when I feel lonely, I am precious to him. Leonard Sweet wrote about an interesting tradition that one tribe of Native Americans had in preparing a young man to be a brave. On the night of his 13th birthday, the young man was blindfolded and he was taken deep into the forest and he was left. And everybody left and he removed the blindfold and he would spend the night alone in the forest, not exactly sure where he was. And I just think about, what what was that like? I mean, you're sitting there alone in the dark, not surrounded by the artificial lights that we are, couldn't pick up your cell phone and connect to somebody. Did every snap of a twig trigger fear? Did the wind through the trees cause you to think, maybe, maybe that's causing me to miss the approach of an animal? Did every sound in the the night sound more sinister along the way? And after what certainly seemed like an eternity, I'm sure, to some of those young men, the first rays of sunlight began to make their way through the dark night. And slowly he would begin to be able to see what was around him. He could begin to make out trees. He could begin to, to see the, uh, the, the flowers and, and even the outline of the path where he had entered in. And then as the, the light continued to shine forth, this 13-year-old young man could also see one other thing. He could see the figure of a man standing there, a man holding a bow an arrow. His father, who had stood watch over him all night long. Sweet says to remind us that God is always, always present with us. And his presence may be unseen. Uh, Maybe even at times you can't really detect it. But God's presence is more real than life itself. Loneliness is going to be a part of all of our experience in a sin-scarred world. Relationships are going to be imperfect at best, sometimes perhaps toxic. But through it all, God is with us. God is watching over us. God is working in the midst of it. And if we will allow him, he'll use that fear of loneliness. He'll use loneliness as a catalyst in our life to draw us to him, to change and shape our character, and to empower us for safe, positive, healing, growing, thriving relationships with others. Let's pray to him together, please. 
Father, how we thank you (laughs) that even when we don't see you or sense you, we are never, never, never alone. And Father, thank you that your presence and your power can shape us even in the midst of loneliness. And Father, thank you that in your word, you have given us guidance for how we can do this thing called life connected to other people. And Father, we readily admit we have so much growing to do in and of ourselves. And it's risky. And yes, sometimes we get hurt. But Father, you've designed us to relate to you and to relate to others. And so, Father, teach us, even through the pain of loneliness, how to walk with you and to walk with others in a way that honors you, blesses us, and is for the good of others. Lord, we ask this as we pray now in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's take just a few moments to make this personal because it doesn't become powerful until it becomes personal. So some quick questions. Do you have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Remember, that's foundational. Have you personally responded in faith and trust to God's invitation to you to be a part of his forever family. That's the the core relationship. That's the relationship that we need that no human relationship, no matter how good it is, will ever be able to totally fill that void. And so I just want to say to you, if we can continue a conversation with you about how you can make this connection, how you can begin this real personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, please let us do that. Go to our website, fbcfm.com, reach out to us, send us an email, pick up the phone, uh, contact us through social media. We would love to come alongside you and talk about how this relationship can become real in your life. In the midst of that relationship, it's something that, like every relationship, needs to be cultivated. So how can you cultivate a sense of God's presence with you on a daily basis? This doesn't happen automatically. Are you spending time with God in His Word and in prayer on a regular basis? What can you do to take your walk with God to a new level of awareness and closeness? It's not that God's not there. It's that sometimes we're just not sensitive to it. We're not aware of it. What can I do to take my walk with God to a new level of awareness and closeness? Have you sought and submitted your life to God's plan? What does God want to do in and through your life during this season? It may not be what you used to do, uh, but as you engage in God's plan, he has a way of connecting you not only to his purpose, but to his people. How are you walking daily in cooperation with that plan? Some of you have heard me say this time and time again. If you're still drawing breath, God's not finished with you yet. He has something for you to do, a role for you to play. And so I ask you, are you vitally connected to a local church family? Because that's part of his design for us. How are you fixed for friends? Who are the people in your life that know you closely? How can you, in the words of uh, Proverbs and the King James Version, show yourself as a friend to others this week? How can you take, what step could you take? I know we're socially distancing. What can you do to show yourself as a friend to others? 
And then as we say week by week, if God brings a truth to you, it's not just for you, but it's also to go through you into the lives of other people. So who can you share these truths with this week? Maybe it's in a personal conversation. Maybe it's a sharing a, a, a post. Maybe it's, it's sharing uh, this uh, teaching video, whatever it may be. How can you not only put these things into practice, but share these things with others. What a great way to be constructive in a relationship with somebody else. God designed us for relationship with him and for others. It'll be three steps forward and two steps back at times, but he will continue to walk with us, continue to show us, and in those relationships is life as God designed it to be. God bless you as you continue to walk with him and with other people.